Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 58th program in this series. I'm presently in the Gospel of John, chapter 11, between verses 1 and 6. To begin with, it would be a good idea for me to review a little bit about the previous program, where I explained from verse 3 that there was a potential manipulation that could have been happening between Mary, Martha, and Jesus. In the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verse 3, It says, therefore, the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death. And I'll explain more about verse four in a little while. But in verse three, there is the impression or there could be the impression that there is a manipulation that is taking place here. And I'm not able to say with certainty that this was the intent of Mary or Martha. But when we go through the following verses as we continue into chapter 11, there are a number of indicators that I believe we will see that show that this could very well have been the case. And so I'm spending a lot of time explaining the situation of a potential manipulation, and what this could imply. And my intent is to show that there can be different definitions of what it means to love someone. For example, in this case, Mary and Martha could be stating that Jesus loves Lazarus. And so because he loves Lazarus, Jesus should promptly go to Lazarus and heal him of this illness, heal him of this sickness. And if he does not, then Jesus will not fulfill the definition that they have for what it would mean for Jesus to love Lazarus. But of course, Jesus does love Lazarus. As we continue to read in verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. This is not what they expected. Because he loved them, he stayed for two more days, which is a way of saying that the way that he loved them was probably a little different than the way that they thought or that they wanted him to love them. And so there is evidence that shows that Jesus's definition of love is a little different. Now, one thing that we really do need to keep in mind is that God has distinct objectives. He has many objectives. One of the most important objectives that God has is that he wants a people 
who decide that they want to have a relationship with him because they want him to be in their life and because they genuinely want to know him as a person and they want to be a participant in the things that he is doing and they want him to be a participant in the things that they are doing this is something that god genuinely wants the evidence is overwhelming that it shows that god wants people to decide if they want to have a relationship with him or not and this is a genuine expression of love that he would create people and he would give them the option to choose that they don't have to love him if they don't want to that they don't have to have anything to do with him at all if they don't want to they don't have to know who he is they don't even have to acknowledge his existence if they don't want to this is an expression of love that god genuinely loves people in a way that he's not going to force them to have a relationship with him this is how jesus related to people jesus is god manifested in the flesh and he related to people in this way he never forced anyone to have a relationship with him he never forced anyone to believe in him now of course there will be some consequences later on after they physically die and they're no longer allowed to participate in this world there will be some consequences related to their rejection of him but they don't even have to believe in those they will believe in those consequences later but they don't have to even believe that those consequences might exist while they are alive here this is an expression of love this is one of the objectives of god to have a people who will decide that they want to have a relationship with him but by default what this will mean is that many people can decide that they do not want to have a relationship with him and the overwhelming majority of the people who have been alive in the history of the world have decided that they don't want to have a relationship with god and i suspect it will continue to be the case as history proceeds as we continue into the future as more people are born into this world there will continue to be a majority of the people who will reject god but this does not interfere with the objective of god his objective is to have a people who decide that they want to have a relationship with him and there will be some people who will turn to him for who he is who will want to have a relationship with him that he is willing to have who will want to know who he is as a person there will be some and it is better for there to be some than for there to be none and so for every person who decides to surrender to the new covenant and embrace the relationship that god has defined for every person who decides to do that this is good this is a win this is success in the project that god is involved in in this world in bringing about 
a kingdom of people who are a part of his life because they want to be, who will love him voluntarily because they want to love him, because they do love him as they grow to know and understand the love that God has for them. Now, when it comes to the sufferings of life, there are many examples in the scriptures and there are many testimonies that have been described throughout history that shows that there are times when God will decide to intervene in people's lives, in the midst of their sufferings, in the midst of the difficulties and the complications that people encounter throughout their lives. There have been some times when God has chosen to intervene, and this is a circumstance when Martha and Mary are requesting that he intervene. But God makes a decision with regards to when he will intervene or how he will intervene. And we have to trust that our God will make a good decision concerning when and how or if he will intervene. And the decisions that he makes will be related to the objectives that God has. He will make decisions that correlate well or that correspond very well to the objectives that he has. In other words, he won't intervene in a person's life if his intervention will interfere with people's willful, voluntary decisions to turn to him, to have a relationship with him according to how he defines the kind of relationship that he is willing to have. Just as an example, he has a desire that people turn to him because they want to. He's not going to intervene in people's lives that will cause a disruption that could make it more difficult or more of a challenge for people to turn to him. Now, if God performs a healing in a person's life, it is not likely that this will cause an interference, but sometimes it might, because people might then assert certain beliefs. They might embrace certain beliefs that are not true because God intervened. And these are all unique individual circumstances. I'm only speaking in generalities right now, because this program is not about these kinds of specifics. In this case, as these issues relate to the circumstance of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, it appears that God made a decision not to intervene because he wants them to understand that he loves them in a way that is a little different than what they think or what they would like, that he wants to have a relationship with them that would correspond a little bit more to him walking through the struggles of life with them, enduring the struggles of life with them, that that is of greater interest than them looking to him in the context of his utility, in the context of his usefulness, that he would prefer 
that they relate to him on the basis of him walking through the struggles of life with them instead of just solving the problems of life for them so that they don't have any struggles. It appears that this is the case. Now, going back to verse 4, John chapter 11, verse 4, when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, in reading verse 4, you could get the impression that Jesus is saying, don't worry about this sickness. This is something that God has decided to do so that he can be glorified through it. It could be read in this way. And many people do interpret this verse in that way to say that this was a decision of God. God decided in his great sovereignty, in his great control, He has decided that Lazarus is going to be sick and he's going to suffer and his sisters are going to watch him suffer. This is something that God wants to see happen so that when Lazarus dies and they bury him, Jesus can come and resurrect him from the dead so that God can be glorified through their sufferings. And so Maybe Jesus should have replied and said, now, Mary and Martha, I just want you to know that God wants you to suffer like this. And God wants Lazarus to die so that he can be glorified, so that he can perform a miracle and other people might believe in him. And this is why your suffering exists. And so you had better enjoy it. You had better embrace it. You should be thankful For all of this pain and sickness and suffering in your lives, what do you think you're doing? Asking me to come and heal him before he dies. This is what I want. This is what people believe sometimes. I don't think that this is real. I don't think that this is what God had in mind at all. But it's common for people to interpret this passage in this way. It's my opinion that this was a sickness that happened as part of the natural consequences of life. That this is a normal thing. People get sick and people die from getting sick. This is not unusual. This is a consequence of the fall of humanity. And what Jesus has proclaimed is that he's going to make use of this. That there will be some good That will come from this, but this doesn't mean that God has caused this sickness to occur. God will make use of what he has to work with. And when there is suffering, there are opportunities for God to make use of these situations. But it doesn't mean that he is the cause of these situations. There is more to this statement in verse 4. There is an opportunity for the true love of God to be manifested. Verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days. And I believe that the reason why was because he wanted the true love of God to be manifested. And this would be an opportunity 
for them to see it. For Jesus to, in effect, go there after Lazarus is dead and to show them that their definition of the love of God is different from God's definition and that this is an opportunity for them to understand God's definition of love. In this sense, God is loving by not intervening, by not cooperating with the desire that they had for a certain kind of relationship. Because he was not cooperating, because he was not intervening in the way that they wanted, they would be able to have an opportunity to see that if they wanted to have a relationship with the living God, then they need to embrace the kind of relationship that he is willing to have, that he is willing to have with them. He does not exist in order to solve every problem of life. But what he will do is he will be with us as we walk through the problems of life. He will help us to navigate through the problems of life. It doesn't mean he's going to solve all of the problems of life or that the problems will be solved. It means that in the midst of the circumstances that we find ourselves in, he will use what he can so that in the end, we may know him more. We may know his love more. We may know his person more. We may grow closer to him as an individual, as he walks with us, as he lives with us through the challenges and the difficulties that exist in this world. And so it's not a matter of who's to blame or who's responsible. It is a matter of this is the way things are. But in the midst of the way things are, God can do many good things and he will do Many good things. So in verse 6, again, it says, So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. And he did this for many reasons. Proceeding into verse 7, Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews sought to stone you, and you are going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? Now, now let's hold on a second. Let's go back to verse 7. He says, after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea. Let's go. And his disciples said, Jesus, are you sure? This is not such a good idea. There are lots of people over there who want to throw rocks at you until you are dead. Can't you be a little bit more wise about this? Maybe you could be a little bit more discreet about this? Don't you understand the risks and the threat to your life? And he says, don't worry, we'll go during the day. That's what he says in verse 9. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Now, he is speaking abstractly. But what the disciples can easily hear from what he says 
They can easily hear or interpret what he is saying as, "Don't worry, we'll go during the day when everyone can see to ensure that if anybody wants to throw rocks at me, they will have the greatest opportunity. They will have the maximum opportunity. We will have maximum exposure. We're not going to just sneak in in the middle of the night. We're going to go in pure daylight. That's what we're going to do. But also, there is a spiritual understanding that can be identified here because of the abstract way in which he says this we can also understand that if the light of god is within us the holy spirit of god if he will illuminate our paths if he will illuminate our direction in other words if god specifically through his holy spirit speaks to us and says this is what I want you to do, then we can go with great confidence. We can go with great surety that this is the path that our God wants us to walk. So that even if people throw rocks at us until we are dead, we can go with great confidence, with great peace, knowing that we are participating in the work that our God is doing in this world. So again, in verse 9, Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. So his disciples can certainly interpret this as, We're going to really go with maximum risk. But this can also be understood as Jesus expressing the confidence that we should have to do the work that our God gives us to do individually. In verse 11, these things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. He is again speaking abstractly. He's not stating that everyone enters into this state of sleep when they physically die. He is speaking abstractly to describe something else. In verse 12, then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. It's a way of saying, there's no reason for us to go then. Let's not go down there. This is dangerous. Your life is in danger. Our lives are going to be in danger too. So if he's sleeping, then let's not bother to go wake him up. He'll wake up on his own. In verse 12, then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. So it says here clearly in verse 13, that Jesus was talking about his death abstractly. And they were talking about him being asleep. Obviously, there is a disconnect in the communication here. So Jesus fixes it in verse 14. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. He's not in some state of sleep. Jesus was just saying that from an abstract point of view. Plainly, he is dead. 
Verse 15, And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Well, believe what? Believe many things that will be revealed through the miracle that Jesus will perform. Continuing in verse 15, Nevertheless, let us go to him. And in verse 16, Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Definitely an expression of sarcasm. Something related to contempt towards Jesus indirectly. That Thomas is saying, Jesus is going to get us killed. Let's just go ahead and go and let him get us killed. Now, of course, the people who they were concerned about were just wanting to kill Jesus. If they get killed, they're just collateral damage. And they could probably avoid that. There were many ways that they could have avoided that if that circumstance occurred so that they wouldn't be collateral damage. But Jesus was committed. And he was going to do what his God directed him to do. And I will continue into verse 17 in the next program. Thank you for listening. This is the 58th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I was in the Gospel of John chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. I reviewed some of the verses between 1 and 6 that I spoke about in the previous program, I wanted to add a few more things in order to explain a little bit more that the relationship that Jesus wanted to have with the people was a little different from the relationship that the people wanted to have with Jesus. And this is really important because in the verses that describe the interaction that took place between Jesus and Martha and Mary, you can see that there are some differences concerning the kind of relationship that Jesus wanted to have with them. And I will explain this more in the next program. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937 or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net.